Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. If you haven't been living on Earth for the past number of years, uh, you may not have noticed that the Earth is actually melting. The oceans are rising, oxygen is sparse, and amidst all the pandemonium, it is actually getting harder for reasonable human beings to breathe. According to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, climate change is widespread, rapid, and intensifying. But have no fear. Mark and I are here to discuss this hot topic with a cool and refreshing approach. Actually, I don't think it's humanly possible to do a deeper dive into the moral intricacies of energy rebates. Uh, we discuss some of the grants and rebates that are available for homeowners to take advantage of when doing renovations. We also try to pull back that big, heavy blackout curtain on the incentives driving these subsidies. So if you're doing renovations or planning on them in the near future uh, on your home or maybe a rental property, then the contents of this episode might actually help you save money or get some extra money. We both, Mark and I, have a bit of experience ourselves taking advantage of these grants and some of the opportunities out there. So if you'd like to chat about your project, you can get in contact with Mark over at Joy Hale Property Management, joyhale.ca. He's helping folks to set up and manage short and midterm rental properties. Myself at Good Stewards, our services help you source the right investment property, develop quality rental units, and secure amazing tenants. Learn more at goodstewards.ca. Also, Thanks to those who have sent in feedback on the show. Your questions and comments help us to improve, and we definitely have a long way to go on that front. You can send in your feedback to hello at twostewards.ca. That's hello at twostewards.ca. And if you are new to the show, please don't let this episode scare you off. And now, on to the show. Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of The Two Stewards Show. It's Feet Up Friday. Brent's got his feet on the desk, and uh, he's relaxed and chill, and we're ready to go. So It's today, also the 1st of September when we're recording this, which is rent day. Rent day, yeah. So, is all your rent in, Brent? Not yet, know? no. It's just okay. uh, it's early in the day. Yeah, that's so right. See. But for uh, a landlord, yeah. the first of the month is a, usually a good time. Usually. Usually the second or third of the month is when you're when you're paying the mortgage and you're yeah, like, oh right. man, there goes all the brand. <laughs> all that money's in. You're like, woo, look at me. Yeah, and then it all goes right back out. Yeah, that's how she goes. But so today we'll talk about uh, energy efficiency, and uh, I mean we're going to go a little bit deeper than that, but we're going to talk about some <laughs> energy efficiency programs. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about um, what's behind these energy efficiency. No promises on the efficiency of our conversations (laughs) or the energy levels. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I just had some crepes, so feeling pretty good. I probably got about 20 minutes. 20 minutes. High high energy. uh, Okay, we'll let you talk for the the first 20 minutes. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Uh, So what prompted all this was... um, we just got a heat pump installed at our house. So we replaced... You and your wife. No, yeah, sorry. Yeah. My wife and I. Yeah. Um, yeah, not Brenton. Not me and Brent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the wife and I got uh, our air conditioning unit, central air, replaced with a heat pump. And I get, What prompted this was we have this skylight that leaks all the time. Okay. Like... I don't know. It has for most of the time that we've had the house and I've never fixed <laughs> yeah, it. Skylights are I've bad. Fixed everything else, not the skylight. But um, we're like, the, my, 
my wife's been on me to kind of get this done. I'm like, you don't have to remind me every six months. To fix the skylight. Like, I'll get it done, right? Yeah. Well, to replace it. It needs replacing. And um, they're like, isn't there some sort of government program where you can get a rebate for, like, replacing your windows? And does that apply to skylights? So... She went and looked into it and called somebody up, and uh, they came out, and they're like, never mind the skylight. We're going to get you a new heat pump and insulation and an air sealing and all this stuff. So there's... So um, you fell for it. We fell for it. Yeah. The uh, So periodically there are... Did you get your skylight fixed? No. <laughs> I ain't got to do that yet, and we but still But you haven't. did buy a heat pump. Yeah. I'm distracted. Okay. We, I still haven't figured out if uh, Skylight qualifies for the uh, <laughs> for the rebate. Either way, I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm sick of having a shower in my kitchen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there are different programs. Some kind of stick around and some uh, come and go uh, by diff- various governments. So we're in Ontario. So we're talking about the Ontario Energy Rebates. And uh, you know what? I can just pull this up for a second. So the company that we talked to said, hey, there's a whole bunch of rebates that you could get. And um, Which one is Enbridge this? Because this there's a, a couple different ones, right? Yeah. So this one is Ontario. Yeah. And for Enbridge Gas. Uh, so if you're not in Ontario customers. listening to this, you're missing out because there's free money to be had here. Well, is it free? I don't know. Oh, okay. But uh, no such thing as there's free money, money anyways. Okay. But... Yeah, so you can get for uh, improving your home insulation up to ten grand in rebates, thirteen hundred for air sealing, seventy eight hundred for space and water heating, five grand for solar, six hundred for the initial assessment for the audit, up to three hundred twenty five dollars per window. So the better window you get, I think, the higher the rebate. Right. Uh, smart thermostats, weatherproofing. Um, so we had some of this stuff done. We had the insulation improved in the attic. And got the heat pump and and right, it's a nice like for the company selling this. It's it's beautiful because oh, let me switch back to a camera here. The um, the government is subsidizing this, so yeah. it makes it a much easier sale. And because um, the true cost is not borne by the customer, it's exactly mostly covered through incentives. Yep. from the government. Yeah, a good which part is of not it. free money, but it comes from they steal it from other people. Where do they get that money? Is that a different conversation altogether? Yeah, that is. We've talked about it. um, Well, and they're not even taking it from tax revenues at this point, right? They're just creating it out of thin air. So we're increasing the uh, money supply through these rebates. But that's another story, right? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the nice thing about uh, this program is that it also works for uh, not your primary residence. Right. Right. A lot of these previously have been just for your primary residence, um, but this one now applies to, uh, and I mean, it changes every year, right? But this one also is for if you uh, own a rental property. So if, you know, the, the majority of folks that I've talked to that have used this um, has been kind of when it was time to get new stuff anyways, to either right. replace the furnace or the AC. So wait, okay, just break us down. So how does the program work? Because I've done programs as well yeah. um, with some of our renovations, most of our renovations, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but how, in, in your case, how did this program kind of work? Yeah, so this one, they're really pushing the heat pumps. Okay. Right. <laughs> so you've got, well, because the window things has been around for forever and the insulation and and uh some of that stuff right um we also got some 
cameras out of the deal. I'm still trying to figure out how that was part yeah, of the so efficient though. Man. Yeah, how what? That so wait, okay, back it up. With, I'm going to ask my question a different way. So how up, does right? this work? <laughs> okay, so basic. So I'll I'll tell you what we did with this company, right? Yeah. So they come in. They look at your energy usage, look at your current, bills, current, your current energy yeah. use, like your bills, basically, right? Say, so what's your bills? Okay, here's what it is projected to be with the new equipment, in this case, a heat pump. Yeah. Um, and then here is also the cost to finance this whole thing. So you're not right. paying up front. We'll offer you a nice financing package, which yeah. for them is great because they get to sell that financing package to a third party. So they're making money. They're all making over money that. there, and they're also getting their money immediately. Yeah. Which, as a contractor, like you want that, right? So Mark now sells heat pumps. <laughs> I'm uh, working on it. Message us at hello at twostewards.ca <laughs> if you'd like to get a heat pump installed. Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, but the, you know, it's a nice, it's a good sales process. Yeah. They show you, and like you will save money. And like, you know, we research it like, yes, people are saving money because heat pumps are much more efficient than um, a central air unit and a furnace. And a heat pump will do both. Although in this case, we kept the furnace because they, you know, heat pumps will work to minus 15, minus 20. Yeah. Okay. Then a standard, uh, well, not then an AC and a furnace. Right. But. um, They do both. Yeah, they do both. But, you know, in Canada, you want probably a secondary source of heat. So we kept that natural gas furnace and which kind of defeats the purpose of the plan, <laughs> but it will, we'll be using it a lot less, right? Right. We'll use less electricity and less natural gas for the furnace right up to minus 15 or minus 20 is yeah. when you want that furnace to kick in. Um, so especially for places with more temperate climates, heat pumps are excellent, right? They're just very, uh, a lot more energy efficient. Um, so that's the deal, right? And then you get the consumer gets a rebate from the government. So whether you've paid in cash or whether you've financed it, you get uh, X amount. And you know, in this case, they're going up to I think ten grand or something is is sort of the cap when you're doing all this stuff. So um, you know, good deal, right? You either use that ten grand to pay down some of the cost of the program, uh, the the equipment that you've gotten. Or, you know, use it to pay your increasing variable rate mortgage. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) One of the two. But that's, so that's kind of the the pitch um, behind that. Does that that answer your question? Yeah, it kind of does. Like, so I've worked uh, through the process on the, um, we use a company called Energi. Yeah. Um, and it's not just a guy. No, he's an energetic guy. Okay. Runs around like crazy. You should see him. (laughs) um but we yeah they weren't pushing the heat pumps at the time but so um and this is important for investors right because um homeowners can take advantage of it as well but if you're an investor um and a lot of the people we work with we're intensifying the property so we talked about that in the past right we're adding dwelling units you're adding tents is that intensifying no that's a different thing yeah that's yeah, that. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. That's. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say something about homeless. Uh, the encampments, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or uh, increasing the density on your dwelling. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, um, so investors are generally adding dwelling units inside their home, right? Sorry, I just I gotta stop you, Brent. <laughs> oh, Did you know that you can't <laughs> you can't run in a campground? You can only ran. Why? Because it's past tense. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, man. It is Friday, is it not? Okay. Hey, let's carry on. Okay. You're talking about investors, I believe. Yeah. So investors are generally uh, intensifying the property, right? Because yeah. to make the numbers work on investments these days, um, you got to basically have to buy something and add dwelling units. Yeah. Like, I hate to break it to you, but um, yeah, in single order to get, family yeah, isn't cutting it. Yeah, in most areas, especially with the rates and the rents where they are. So, if you're going to do it, you're generally going to have to do renovations. Yep. And those renovations obviously come at a cost, and that impacts your overall return on investment, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you're spending money on a renovation, um, and you might go over budget, whatever happens. Um, that impacts the bottom line at the end of the day, which impacts the return uh, on your investment over the long term. So um, whatever you can do to reduce your uh, renovation costs, obviously welcome. It's an added bonus, right? So these programs out there exist. And if you're doing renovation, definitely uh, do some research, figure it out. But the one we've used uh, time and again was issued through Energa. I forget if it's, uh, it's, I think it's a provincial uh, grant program. It might even be similar to what you were just talking about. Um, but the way it works is they have uh, an energy audit or an assessment done. Yep. So you pay a fee uh, to have somebody come to your home and they basically test various aspects. They inspect the house. They, they test how much insulation you have in your attic and uh, they'll look at um, you know, the age of your furnace and the type of furnace. Right? Is it a high efficiency one or a medium efficiency or is it just like no efficiency? You're just burning stuff in your house to heat it up. <laughs> you can get lots of money for that. Um, but they'll hook up like a fan on your door, for example, right? And then they'll seal up the house and then they'll test, like they'll blow air into your house and test, you know, how much resistance there is. So like, where is the air escaping? And you'll be able to tell like, you know, okay, my house is actually uh, having cold air come in in the winter, which yeah. is inefficient. So Um, and then they give you incentives based on like what kind of items you improve, right. And how much you improve. Um, and it's, it's relatively easy to score points and get the score points and get win the game. Yeah, no, but to, uh, to get, take advantage of the grant, um, especially if you're already doing renovations. So a lot of people, um, if they're doing just like a really quick kind of paint trim, whatever, they will get air sealing, for example, which, which I think you went through the same process, but you're basically just doing caulking and paint around the windows and kind of sealing up any openings in your house um, to eliminate um, air from escaping and transferring yeah. from the outside in. Um, so that makes it more efficient. So they maybe get like a hundred, I think it was 150 or 200 bucks like in, in the program I did for that. Yep. Um, so that, but the cost of a, a tube of caulking and an hour to go around your house, caulking all the windows is, pretty small compared to the the grant right yeah um where the big ones were was insulation windows uh furnace i don't think you get upgrades for the water heater but um there might be different programs depending um but this program was uh issued through enbridge which is a gas company so you had to be a customer of enbridge um and (laughs) funny story we actually had one property that wasn't uh, it was on electricity. Okay. So what we did is we bought it and then we installed the gas line. So we were a customer <laughs> and then we applied for the program and did all their renovations. Right. <laughs> and the good thing we caught it because 
the guy who came out basically said like, yeah, if you're not a customer, you can't get this program. Yeah. Like, Oh, we did it every time. Like, you know, why can't we do this? But yeah, if you, you have to check, if you are on electricity only, you don't have a natural gas line, you're probably not a customer. So then you can't take advantage of it. But most houses these days have natural gas. Maybe that will change in the future. We can talk about that. Yeah. Um, but then basically you do your renovations and, um, you basically get this guy back in at the end and you pay another fee. He does another assessment. He says, okay, you improved all of these things. Now send me the receipts. So definitely track your receipts and what you spent it on. And, uh, so you have proof that, you know, Hey, you indeed did pay money to do this. And you, uh, you have a certain serial number or whatever for the furnace that you can say it's a high efficiency, whatever. Um, and then they'll issue a rebate check that comes in the mail, like, two years later and it's worth nothing because inflation ate it up. <laughs> but it could be up to five thousand dollars yeah um especially if you're doing the furnace and like a number of windows or like in our case you're generally doing all the basement windows yeah um and we're we're kind of increasing the size of them and whatever but yeah um i don't know is that similar to the program you guys yeah it's it's yeah very similar so that is useful. Yeah. If you're doing, you know, if you're buying your first home and you're going to add a basement unit, like we've talked about, or if you have an investment property yeah. and it's time to replace some of the old equipment anyways, or the windows, like, yeah, but it's important to know this before you start, because you need to have that energy audit or inspection before yeah. you complete the renovations, right? Cause they need to know what the state of your home was before you made all these improvements, right? Otherwise they can't calculate how much you improved it and give you the check. Yeah, exactly. and part of the audit is to make sure that you don't already have these yeah. things that you did last year, and now you're like, yeah. oh, I want to try and take advantage of the program. Yeah. <laughs> so that's single family. Yeah. Now, you've, you've mentioned um, offline about doing multi-unit. Yeah, so this might be a little bit over people's ability. Oh, maybe our listeners are doing multifamily investing. You don't know. No, I don't know. Um but yeah, there is uh, an interesting program that I think it's been around for a while. Like CMHC has offered this financing program. Yep. Uh, but recently, I think it was March 2022, uh, a new iteration of it came out. Yeah. And it's, it's a financing option uh, that's available to uh, investors um, that basically allows you to attain better financing uh, if you meet certain criteria and one of them is energy efficiency. Yeah. So that's how it kind of ties to this discussion. I know we're kind of pivoting to a little bit of the world of financing. Um, so it's a little bit of a different topic, but, um, energy efficiency is very important for this program. So there's kind of the link So for people who are already confused. Um, that's why, you know, we're talking about this. (laughs) Well, I mean, there is, so there's a tie in with all of this right on one hand yeah for us as investors we want to be more if you can be more energy efficient keep the bills lower yeah. on that property then absolutely like why wouldn't you and just especially have especially if you're envelope. as a landlord paying the bills yeah right? paying the utility bills every yeah. month um yeah but I, yeah and just in general you want to have a better property yeah right so why not have better equipment better everything in it um the move is away from natural gas away from hydrocarbons and this so that's sort of behind behind the scenes right where the government is trying to incentivize this behavior 
Yeah. Right. It's not just because they want you to have lower monthly bills, right? They want to get rid of natural gas and this other stuff. And that yeah. also applies to what you're talking about with the multifamily, yeah. five plus units. And the easiest way to get someone to change their behavior is through their pocketbook. Yeah. So if and you so, can penalize somebody for doing certain things and incentivize other behaviors that you prefer. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the easiest way to influence behavior and achieve. So from the government's perspective, they're trying to achieve a certain result, right? They're trying to achieve zero energy emissions by the year. Probably, probably tomorrow. They will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't know. They sign all these agreements like the Paris, uh, what is the one they the just Paris signed? Hilton accord? I yeah, think Paris Hilton accord. <laughs> is that energy efficiency? <laughs> It's not efficient at all. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, is this the anti-government podcast? A little bit, yeah. A oh, little bit. Um, yeah, so we're talking about penalizing, incentivizing behavior. So yeah. a big way to do that, obviously, is through financing options, right? Because if you can make a very attractive financing option yep. um, for investors uh, and you can set the criteria for obtaining that financing to be whatever you want... Yep. Right? And the government has the power to do that, then you can kind of influence behavior. So the program that's out there, just so people are kind of aware, is um, it's issued through CMHC, which is the Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation. So yeah. it's uh, federal uh, funds. And uh, it's, it's called the MLI Select Financing um, Program issued through CMHC. So if people want to look that up, I think we could pull it up on the screen. Yeah, I got have it this there. Thing here. Yeah. MLI Select. So, like I said, it's kind of been around in different iterations, but this latest iteration is kind of, um, it basically has a grid, right? Yeah. And you have three categories that um, are the criteria that you can use to qualify for this financing. So, um, one of them is affordability. So, that means that you want a certain percentage of the units in your building to be uh, at a certain metric of affordability. And the government kind of has different uh, standards for that based on, um, I think it's the median renter income in that area. Yeah. Um, and the goal with this whole thing is to achieve, uh, it's a point structure. So you achieve a hundred points and then you get the best financing uh, terms. <clears throat> so, um, and then the other, so affordability is one. Um, accessibility is the other one. Yeah. So uh, improving the accessibility of the unit by um, a certain percentage over the National Building Code standards or the CSA standards, uh, whatever it is. And then the third kind of bucket or way to get this financing is uh, through energy efficiency improvements. So can you reduce uh, the consumption, can you improve the performance of your energy equipment and um, do that over and above the, the National Building Code or whatever codes are in place? Well, interesting, the, the title of that part of the grid is Energy Efficiency and Greenhouse Gas Redu Reduction Over Current Performance. Yeah. And I think the emphasis is on the greenhouse gases, not the energy efficiency, because yeah. what do they care? Yeah. But they want to reduce, like you said, Paris uh, Climate Accords. Paris Hilton. Um, yes, the Paris Hilton Accords. Um, That's they very, want to reduce greenhouse yeah, gases. Yeah, very important that you point that out because um, so one of the ways that people are achieving this financing, and we'll talk about maybe touch on just like why, what's so good about this financing that people would want to even go through this headache to do it. Yeah. But um, let's just say it's attractive. 
So um, the greenhouse gas reductions. So if you put in a heat pump, it's electric. It consumes electricity. Yeah. Right. You mentioned that. So um, instead of putting in a conventional furnace that consumes natural gas, now all of a sudden your greenhouse gas uh, reduct like uh, consumption or emissions yeah. goes way down. So you can actually very easily achieve uh, like a hundred points in this program just by putting in a heat pump or um, similar equipment, right? That uses electricity to heat rather than um, natural gas. So yeah, it is a, a little bit, um, uh, I guess, misleading to say it's energy efficiency because yeah, it is also greenhouse gas reductions. Yeah, and just a, a side note, I'm looking at the other categories. So one is affordability, um, the other one is accessibility. And, and from my understanding, both those are expensive to do yeah and really can severely affect your cash flow right so in the accessibility side of things that's like big design changes which add yeah. costs to your uh a lot of engineering budget. a lot of construction costs yeah to and improve the less, accessibility yeah less available floor space yeah. um for, and your units don't necessarily rent for more no and, yeah yeah and then on the affordability side you're really handcuffing your your income. Yeah. So it's, you know, maybe not so much on the designs on upfront, but the cash flow over the long term. So both of those are not very attractive and I don't you know of the numbers, but I don't think they have uh, had very much uptake <laughs> with builders. Um, no, you're hundred percent right. Because if somebody has to make their, uh, has to basically it's a commitment, right? So yeah. if, if an investor has to commit to, you know, uh, what is it here? It's 40% of the units at 30% of the renter, uh, median. median renter income, yeah. right? So if you have to say, okay, well, like 40% of my units are going to be at 30% of the renter income. Um, and you have to commit to that for 10 years. Yep. Um, that, that very directly impacts the profitability of your investment. Right. And it's a 10 year commitment. Well, and, and generally if you're building something new, something multifamily, um, almost always, again, I have no figures to back this up, but almost always your, you the always rent, just wing it, don't you? Uh, for most, most of my yeah, life, most of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but those numbers are going, going to be higher than rents in the existing area. Right. So normally yeah. this is, you know, people complain about gentrification and all this stuff, but yeah, usually new development is more expensive because it's nicer and it's new. And, uh, what it does is it brings rents up in that area. So if you think about that now, like, because the only way to build something nice and new is usually not to have it at the same rent as a, like, then it just doesn't pencil, right? The numbers yeah. don't work. So yeah. now basically you're committing to being, um, unprofitable yeah. for, for however 10 years, many, 10 or, years. I think you can commit to 20 years and you get bonus points. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Again, in the States, yeah. um, Ooh, we got to be in the office. They have opportunity zones, yeah. OZs, and they have massive tax breaks for doing this stuff. So it's much more attractive. Um, I don't know. Yeah. If anybody from the government's uh, listening, you know, look at how the States <laughs> have opportunity zones. But back uh, to... Uh, yeah, so just to circle back about the CMHC MLI Select program for yep. multifamily. So it is available. It's financing available for multifamily so it means five units or more yeah um so you can't do this with four plex you can't do this with a duplex in whatever in your basement you have to have five or more units yeah um 
but it does off like the benefits of it is that it offers uh, a longer amortization. Um, we won't get into all the details here, but it offers a longer amortization up to 50 years, whereas traditional financing might be 30. Yeah. Right. So your monthly payments are going to on your debt are going to be lower, which improves a lot lower. Yeah. Like 50 years. Yeah. It's huge. Which improves your cash flow, right? So yeah. from an investor standpoint, that's like whoa, okay, that's an option. Wow, good. I I, I really like to consider that, um, but. It also offers, um, you know, a lower rate because it's an insured mortgage, which means it's basically backed by the government or, um, and a lender feels more comfortable lending, uh, the loan, um, to, to the investor. Yeah. Um, they'll offer a lower rate. So you pay a premium, like you pay an insurance premium, Mm -hmm. um, but you also get a lower rate, lower rate and longer amortization. Yeah. And there's one other thing that I'm forgetting, which is the loan to value. Oh, right. Right. And so it won't get necessarily describing on what loan to value is, but um, you can go up to 95%, whereas traditional is 80%, so which means huge. So you your money put, goes a lot further. Yeah. You could put 5% down on a project Yeah, and then also get, um, let me pull up the chart again. Also put, uh, yeah, so you're putting less money down and you're getting much better cash flow and much better uh, rates. Yeah. So, um, and that's, that's usually not available in traditional financing, right? Like you're just going out, you're getting a regular loan. You're going to put 20% down or more in some cases if it's commercial and, um, which, which requires a significant amount of capital, right? Yeah. Um, but if you have the option to do 5% down. So if a lot of investors can put money in and then get a lot of it back out, right. Or most yeah. of it back out. So, um, anyways, just from a high level, this program is really attractive. And what we see behind the curtain is that like the government is essentially incentivizing, um, through these, these loan programs, a certain behavior. And the main one is energy efficiency or greenhouse gas reductions. Yeah, they, they call it energy efficiency. Yeah. But that's not really what it is. Yeah. It has that effect. Well, when you read maybe, the fine but... print of how to qualify for it, it yeah. basically points you to put a heat pump in, which is electric, instead of a furnace, which is yeah. gas. Yeah, and electric, you can use renewables for electricity, right? Yeah. Like solar, like wind power, as opposed to uh, fossil fossil fuels, hydrocarbons. Yeah. Um, which were, yeah, the government is, uh, in Canada anyways, <laughs> is trying desperately to uh, to throttle, right? One of the <laughs> biggest industries and resources that we have, we're just trying to strangle. So now what do you want to talk about? Strangle you want to talk about... Let's talk about the government for a while, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about climate change? You want to talk about the standard of living? Well, so it's all you tied... About the weather? It's all tied into these, as you mentioned, right? The, uh, what we will now refer to as the Paris Hilton Accords. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but the commitments that Canada has made towards reducing greenhouse gases yeah. and, and all this stuff, right? Um, yeah, where, where to start, right? I'm just amazed at how much basically free or subs- free money is out there. Right. Yeah. Well, it's an unlimited amount. You get amount. grants to put a heat pump in your house. Yep. I get grants to change my furnace. And it's like Oprah, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. <laughs> Oprah <laughs> and Paris Hilton. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, but the yeah. So the idea behind it is energy scarcity. 
Right. Right. And, and the whole, um, I mean the whole climate movement. Yeah. Okay. Where does this whole movement or mentality come from? Like what, cause to me, it's kind of seems ideological a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's all ideological. Cause if you're incentivizing ideology. something, it must be that you believe in it and that. Yeah. There's no, there's no economic benefit well, for the government the to get market, us off the of natural gas. Yeah, right? Cause if the free market could choose the energy that it wanted to use and whatever, yep. would it choose the one that you're pushing? No, might not. Right. I, I don't think so. Not in Canada. Right. Um, we have certain things that are plentiful in Canada. So hydroelectricity from, from dams, from yeah. water, like we got a lot of that and that's great. We use that. It's, it's relatively clean. Yeah. Right. You got to build these big dams and flood areas, but that's why uh, we call it hydro. Exactly. Because yeah, we have which, so much hydro. Yeah. It's, power. it's funny until you go to a different <laughs> part of the world and yeah. you talk about your hydro and they're like, what are you talking hydro? about? Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what, uh, that's what that's about. Um, but yeah, so we have lots of water power in certain areas and then we have also lots of hydrocarbons. Yeah. So natural gas, oil, all these things, which we've been doing our best, like I said, to strangle these industries and to really reduce our, um, our dependence on them. So yeah, the idea is that greenhouse gases are, it's the whole climate argument, right? Are the, and it, it, it changes over time. I think you can see where I am on this side of, uh, <laughs> of, of what they call climate change. It used to be global warming that yeah. really didn't work out. So now they call it climate change. And, um, yeah, the, one of the central tenets of that religion is to reduce greenhouse gases, to reduce the use of fossil fuels. Yeah. So you can go back a little bit to like the seventies and the eighties. You got this fella, uh, Paul Ehrlich and, um, E H R I, sorry, E H R L I C H. If you're going to Google it. And, um, you know, he had this theory about peak oil, right? And this caused, uh, it wasn't just him, but he was one of the proponents, right? This caused um, energy scare. I'm pretty and... confident people don't know about this. Ah, some people yeah. might. Yeah? Some people okay. might not. If you're my age. age, you probably don't know about this. <laughs> if you're your age, shoot. <laughs> it's like old hat. <laughs> yeah, I was... Uh... We were more worried about, you know, running out of dinosaurs to ride to work. <laughs> All I see on Google is Ehrlich Pest Control. So if you're out there from Ehrlich Pest Control. Okay, no, they're doing a good job. <laughs> Keep getting rid of those pests. But no, but the, the, there was a theory about peak oil, right? Okay. As oil usage increased and, and uh, was being used for a lot of stuff, people were like, ah, it's going to run out, right? We're using so much more than we ever have. And oil in specific oil is going to run yeah. out and uh, we need to change our consumption and all this because stuff. oil doesn't just naturally, it's not like solar. It's not a renewable. The, yeah. That's where we get the term renewable it doesn't, doesn't resources. It doesn't naturally occur. Uh, it does oil, naturally yeah. occur. Not within our lifetimes. It's not going to like spontaneously no. appear. Yeah. Um, so it's my technical, the way. interesting <laughs> yeah, interesting thing is that we are constantly finding new and more oil reserves all over the world. And uh, like so much so that we probably could never use all of it up. Um, but anyways, the pushes against fossil fuels. Peak oil was like, we're going to run out. Yeah. And massive hysteria at it's the time. It's kind of a prophecy, right? Like saying, A little bit. Yeah, and exactly. In That's this a good, amount of time, we're going to run out yeah. of oil. 
So this fellow, Paul Ehrlich, had a bet with another uh, fellow, last name is Simon, and the bet was that, you know, let's pick five commodities. And they, Ehrlich said, well, they're, because we're running out of everything, not just oil, everything is going to become more expensive as it becomes more scarce. And this fellow, Simon, said, like, no. A, there's so much more resources than we know we have. And human ingenuity and engineering will be able to find more of it and to use it more efficiently as well. So anyways, over 10 years, uh, Ehrlich lost the bet because of the five uh, commodities that they looked at. I think three of them had actually decreased nominal. So if it was $5 in 1980, it was $4 in 1990. And then the other two decreased uh, inflation adjusted. So he lost that bet. Um, but th- this is one of the theories. So you can go back further. We can talk about Thomas Malthus and Malthusian economics. And uh, there is sort of a point to all this, <laughs> this folks. But Yeah, well, um, just to talk about Ehrlich and Simon, for, for yeah. example. So just to put the point home, like the one guy thought that energy on this earth was scarce yeah and it was finite and it was limited and there could be no more and that the 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 problem was that um human beings kind of represent like well they're the problem right because they're consuming the energy and so we kind of need to manage our energy consumption and be um yeah reduce it as much as possible right yeah so yeah that 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 was the theory so right and now, it proved to be wrong it proved to be wrong and we have you know I, I talked about sort of the religion of of climate change and um you know what is sort of behind a lot of this I'm just moving forward to our, our present time now right is sort of this uh theory of gaia of mother earth you know that natural balance and basically, you know, a lot of people are coming out uh, and saying it like there are too many people on the planet. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Right. So Come we Canada, should. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're taking people. Come yeah. on. Um, but that's people. the idea. And this ties into stewardship, right? How we yeah. deal with the earth. Yeah. Not exactly real estate investing, but it does apply to um, yeah. <laughs> to the rebates we get. <laughs> but just so people have an understanding yeah. of where all this is coming from, and then they can make their own decisions based on that. So we have the idea that humans are basically parasitical. Which means they feed on something. Yeah. Right. That That is sort of the idea, right? We need to reestablish. Well, we and now, people where did have that said, come from? Well, this has this has developed over time, but um, and I'll I'll, I'll get into that. Um, But the idea is that we're parasites and I've heard the number like 500 million people on the planet is the right number. And right now we have eight billion people. So what about the other seven and a half billion people? Right. Yeah. What do you you know? And so there's sort of I don't know, there's something unspoken there. Right. Like, (laughs) what do you want to do with these people? Right. What are you going to tell the. Nigeria, whose population is increasing, uh, yeah, you know, very rapidly, exponentially almost. Um, right. And, and interestingly enough, right. Western world population is declining. Birth rates are super low. Um, so then, you know, who's causing the increase? Well, Africa, Asia, right. Some yeah. of these areas, right. So I don't know. People talk about colonialism and racism, like what, you know, what are we looking at here, guys? Is this not just 
Yeah. I don't. At its worst, you could say this is just uh, racism. But anyways, getting back to it, we're talking about energy scarcity and human yeah. population and like, where does this come from? So let's go it back to Malthus. Yeah, it appears to be driven by an ideology, right? Yeah, it's totally and that, ideologically driven. And you're driven. saying that stems Not, from Malthus. Well, who was Malthus? It goes it goes back a lot further. Yeah. But so Reverend Thomas Malthus was uh, he was a minister. Yeah, he okay. was a minister, and uh, an economist. This is when you could do both of those things. Yeah. Right. So I think uh, <laughs> 1798 he came out with a paper. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but basically he, he had this theory that human population grows more rapidly than the food supply until famines, war, or disease reduce the population. So it's this idea that there is a natural balance and yeah. that humans, um, the human population will swing in accordance with this balance, right? So he, he was wrong, obviously, because he couldn't foresee a world with 8 billion people in it. Um, at, like he would have, his theory, if it held true, would have uh, maintained the population at, you know, in, in the hundreds of millions, probably. Um, so he didn't take into account uh, that there is, you know, there is not the scarcity that we think there is and human ingenuity, right? Yeah. Using crop rotation, fertilizers, all this stuff to increase crop yields to feed all these people. But this is a, was a popular theory. It still is a popular theory. And they, so the underlying idea behind it is that there should be a balance, and that this is a good and natural thing. And that if we upset the balance... A balance between how many people are on the planet. Yeah. And what the planet can sustain. And what, yeah, what right? kind of resources He didn't put it there. in those words, but yeah. this is what it's become. And again, the sort of Mother Earth uh, worship that we're upsetting the balance, right? Yeah. Um, so you can go back maybe a little bit further to like Rousseau and his idea of the noble savage, which was um, that you could have these populations that lived in unity with nature and that was a good and a beautiful thing and there's a whole bunch of other implications with the, the noble savage theory okay, but we have to do a whole series on this or <laughs> yeah but no very paternalistic and very um like looking down on people right as the sort of the european looking at this and he idealized um, this sort of life so you would have like you know the indian population of the americas for example like yeah. aboriginals, right? And how that's, and we have repercussions of that today, right? Like that's how we should get back to nature nature and being one with the earth and trapping and, and yeah. um, maybe not hunting because that kills animals, but you know, whatever, <laughs> like, you know, harvesting herbs. and That's where like, the ideal, ideology kind of Yeah, this from. is, yeah, you go back. So you kind of have an understanding of this and, you know, look it up, right? Rousseau. Um, he was pretty influential in the Enlightenment as well, a lot of his writings. Um, you can take it back further. And I've heard this comparison made, right? Yeah. So we talk about Elijah battling um, the prophets of Baal. Yeah. So Baal was a nature god. He was a god of weather, especially. Yeah. And the, you know, the idea is that if you wanted... Uh, things to go well for you as far as weather goes, yeah. um, you had to sacrifice something, right? You would make sacrifices to Baal. And Elijah kind of put this like, no, he is not a god. You worship one, you know, the only god, the god of heaven and earth. Yeah. Yahweh. And um, 
you know, look up the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, but it didn't work out for those prophets of Baal. But what we're seeing, I think, is another iteration of Baal worship where we're worshiping. And there's just such a strong urge for humans to worship the earth, to to look at, you know, weather phenomenon and to explain it in a religious way, which I think is what we're seeing today. It's not couched in religious um, upfront in religious terms, but the ideology is religious. And um, you've had climate activists screaming, repent, you must (laughs) repent. I'm like, that is religious language. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's where that comes from. Yeah, there's an element of humor in that story with Elijah, too, because if you're not familiar with it, so he's basically a contest, right? Elijah's on the mountaintop. And the prophets of Baal are on the mountaintop, the other god, right? So there's kind of these two gods, and they're like going to face off. And, uh, and yeah, okay, well, how are we going to do this competition? Well, we're going to try and do a sacrifice, but we're not going to light it on fire because the god, who is the god of, you know, the weather or whatever, he's going to send the fire. He's got a lightning. Yeah. He can do that. So you have to rely on your god. So now you have 400 prophets of Baal calling out to their god and yeah what does elijah say right like oh maybe your god is maybe he's in the bathroom you know <laughs> maybe he's on a vacation <laughs> uh so yeah it kind of is a humorous uh incident in the bible i think when um he makes those comments the same kind of thing right now right like you can look at this and you you said the prophecy or whatever the prediction of some of these guys yeah um you know has kind of fallen flat and not come true and yeah it's kind of in a sense, humorous too, right? It's like, well, if you're worshiping the God that you think is going to solve the problems and it's not the real God, uh, then you're going to be sorely mistaken, right? Yeah. And I mean, Christians can argue about, yeah, I mean, on on one level it is, on another, it's quite sad. Christians can argue about climate change and and science and, um, you know, whether or not this is true or, you know, how it affects us. Um, but to me, I kind of look at it. You just have these prophets, different prophets throughout the ages. And, uh, you know, you had Malthus, you had Paul Ehrlich, you have Al Gore. <laughs> yeah. You got Greta Thunberg. <laughs> You're throwing now. everybody under the bus. Well, what about I mean, Paris they're Hilton? all prophets. Yeah, no, not Paris Hilton. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, um, Mark, we Aldi are going Steyer. very deep on heat pumps here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, no, but uh, there's always these dire predictions that yeah. this is going to happen unless we do X. Yeah. And this is the latest iteration of that, the Paris uh, climate talk and all the other talks that are happening, right? Where world leaders fly on their hydrocarbon burning jets okay i, I pulled a paragraph from dr safedina moose so this guy dr zeus what dr zeus yeah uh safedina moose i don't we like this guy he's an interesting guy and he, he talks about austrian economics anyways i'm gonna read this so in, another shrimp on the bobby yeah so in all human history <laughs> we have never run out of any single raw material or resource and the price of virtually all resources is lower today than it was in past points in history because our technological advancement allows us to produce them at a lower cost in terms of our time. So like that, that kind of, uh, well, that statement about how, uh, we've never run out of anything. Yeah. Right. Um, kind of disproves the whole like scarcity of energy or resources. Yeah. Because what he's saying is that human, uh, ingenuity and tech technological advancement 
finds ways to uh, harvest energy that may, maybe in previous generations wasn't accessible. Yeah. Right. And so what you find, I think, over history is that um, we are consuming more energy now than we ever have. And societies that are above poverty line, um, so flourishing societies, are consuming uh, significant amounts of energy per capita. So each person consumes a massive amount of energy. You might think, well, okay, I don't consume that much energy. Like I just wake up, I have breakfast and I go whatever my car to work and I come home and like, but yeah, in, uh, if you actually break it down and look at all the devices you use in your life and you know, the clothes you wear and the the production of your car and how much, and you break it down per capita, how much energy consumption you couldn't have that standard of living without consuming that much energy. Yeah. No chance. So, and what's funny is that you would think that there would be less energy because we're consuming so much more, but he's saying Saifedean is saying that, um, you know, there's actually more yeah. because it's more accessible because we have more technologies to get it out of the ground or harvest it or, uh, you know, use it, convert it, whatever it is, refine it, um, that it's actually become cheaper and more abundant than in previous generations. And for those on the world who, it, where it hasn't, they're still in extreme poverty or very low, low standard of living. Right. Yeah. Like access to energy to cheap energy is the primary driver of getting people out of poverty. Yeah. And this is another, um, I don't know, another part of the sort of the world religion, I guess. Right. When, if you're talking about a lot of these accords, right. One is to reduce poverty in the world. Well, how you, like you can't do that when you are making energy more expensive. Yeah. You're directly affecting, uh, the lives of billions of people on the planet. Right. When, Angola, for example, was applying for some loans from... Who's um, Angola? Is that a country? It's a country in Africa, okay. right? <laughs> and, and, you know, this is just the latest example, but they they were denied loans for uh, coal, coal mines and coal plants because that is counter to the climate... Uh, uh, climate goals that we have are greenhouse gas emissions. Um, but they were approved for some ridiculous things like solar power and wind power. Right. right. So they're building that stuff, which has a much, 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 um, less of an effect on the population. And it produces much less energy than doing a bunch of coal plants. And people yeah. say, well, you can't do coal plants cause they burn, um, coal and they and, emit, yeah, they emit greenhouse, you know, and it's bad. Um, that's fine. Then, you know, have, <laughs> I don't want to have fun staying poor Angola, I guess, yeah. right. Is, is what these, these central banks are saying to them, you know? Yeah. You're not going to be able to raise your standard of living in that country with that, with more expensive energy. That's yeah. hard to attain. That doesn't, it's not consistent. It doesn't, uh, distribute well to other people. It doesn't store like, yeah. Yeah. If you it's really sad. want, well, yeah, if you really want to, reduce if your goal is to reduce poverty and reduce greenhouse gases you need to allow this transition to coal and to some of these other things um before they get to better denser sources of energy um because then there's you know no you're you're stifling human ingenuity you're stifling technological development to maybe make burning coal cleaner yeah right all these things and all we're seeing is coal usage, coal burning across the world is up. 
Yeah. Right? Australia is a net exporter of coal. They can't burn coal in Australia, but they're fine with exporting it to China, where their new coal power plants are popping up every week. Yeah. Right. So, like, what are you guys actually trying to achieve here, right? <laughs> if you increase the standard of living for everybody, more technological advancement, it will be better for everybody. But this yeah. goes a little bit back to Malthus, where, yeah, we're going to restrict energy availability which will have the effect of not increasing or not increasing populations as quickly or decreasing populations yeah. worldwide. And mainly, again, it's in Africa, it's in Asia. So like, sorry guys, but here in the Western world, we know what's good for you. And what it is is for you to have a smaller population because yeah. you're uh, you're causing problems on this earth. <laughs> and uh, can I read another safe quote? Yeah, uh, it's really interesting. you can always so read quotes from just safe. Just a quick uh, a quick one here. So one of the most common misconceptions about energy is that it is scarce or limited. So I I don't know. You think that's pretty common that people yeah. think it's okay. So it says in the popular imagination, the earth has a limited supply of energy that humans consume whenever they heat or move anything. This scarcity perspective views energy consumption as a bad thing because anything that consumes energy depletes our planet's finite supplies of energy. So do you agree with that, that that's a, like a common perspective on energy? I think it's taken for granted, isn't it? That like if you consume There's limited energy, resources you are on bad. The earth. Yeah. Essentially. Yep. Yeah. So... And he says, reality is very different. The total amount of energy resources available for humans to exploit is practically infinite and beyond our ability to even quantify, let alone consume. So I'm just reading, reading off his website here. Yep. Um, but he, he makes it one example of that is that the earth uh, is shout, uh, sorry, the sun. Uh, just so just energy that comes from the sun alone, which will run out eventually, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> the sun showers the earth with 3,850,000 exajoules of energy every year. That is more than 7,000 times the amount of energy humans consume every year. So uh, just, to, just to give a little bit of perspective of how much energy there is, it's hard to quantify. It's infinite or it's impossible to quantify. Yeah. It's just how do humans harvest the energy, right? And how much time and energy do they spend harvesting it? energy do they spend harvesting energy i guess the scarce resource here is time right and that's what he hones in on is that we only have so many days on this earth yeah so what are you going to spend your time doing harvesting uh energy that is uh going to produce less energy for you or harvesting energy that's going to produce more yeah right and uh yeah if you're if you think it's scarce and limited I can see that you would want to, um, you know, limit energy consumption yeah. and, and that requires modifying your standard of living. Right. Cause we talked about like every device in your home is powered by energy. And if you reduce your energy consumption, well, um, you know, you're going to have to eliminate something yeah. or yeah, you're going to have to start going back to washing your clothes by hand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Which kind of goes backwards into poverty essentially right yeah. like a lower standard of living and Absolutely. quality of life so, so yeah i mean if you really have a heart for the poor um you can't reduce energy availability yeah. or usage right you need to increase that availability yeah. and, all right do you um, want to end it there 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is maybe a little bit more controversial, not exactly related to real estate, but yeah. but we're going really deep on heat pumps because <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You it's had like to geothermal your goes skylight. deep. We go deeper. Yeah, <laughs> you had to replace your skylight, and now we're talking about uh, yeah, yeah. But I think it's it's important to understand the the reasoning, the ideology behind a lot of this stuff, and yeah. maybe not directly tied to what we're talking about, but um, I think. Even from a macroeconomic perspective, yeah. you want to have a broad view of all the issues at play so you can yeah. make informed decisions about yeah. what you're going to do. So right? if you're getting an energy grant to renovate your house, now yeah. you know that it's actually <laughs> stems from a theory <laughs> rooted in bail worship. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so let's go way back. Maybe, maybe think about it. But yeah, definitely keep an eye out for how the subsidies and incentives are, or what they're subsidizing or what they're incentivizing. What kind of behaviors do they want you to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's some takeaways too, right? Cause there's opportunities here for investors, obviously, even if you don't necessarily agree with what's being subsidized or incentivized, it's yeah. good to be aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we should wrap there, Brent. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you all enjoyed that uh, little bit of a different uh, episode, but we will see you next time. And until then, steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely.